he was also scammed for over a hundred thousand dollars. Inventory, the entire inventory of the company is gone. Beware, Bobs are toxic, manipulative and controlling. But they're also intelligent, charming and appear trustworthy. Welcome to the Foreign Ore Podcast, a look into the lives of expats, nomads, TCKs and aliens of all sorts. This episode is the sequel to our previous episode concluding three Foreign Ore stories about getting scammed abroad. Our first episode, we introed your scam stories, and they were perfect true crime tales, layered with complexities. We saw how living a lifestyle of transitions and translations make foreigners particularly vulnerable to scams. But in this episode, we kept asking ourselves the same question. Were these folks really scammed? Or did they just get in over their heads? And their stories are more lessons on how to protect yourself and connect with others. When we asked longtime China expat Dil King for his story, he told us about his unknowing involvement in a pyramid scheme. Total scam, by the way. He eventually finds out the firm's dirty secret, and he quits. When he leaves, his colleague Lee decides to follow him and his passion, whiskey. So we go back to Chongqing after the trip, and I said, so I think I'm going to leave and start my own business. And, uh, and I'd been thinking about doing this whiskey thing for ages. Sure. And, and you know, I'd, I'd already been doing the Whiskey Society meetings, and I'd already got, like, a bit of a client base, and I was already doing some sales and stuff. So I was like, well, you know, the Whiskey Society was actually looking like it could between the sales that I was bringing in and the, and the, you know, the memberships and the tickets, I was like, I could probably survive off this. Um, and it might grow into quite a, a significant business if I put some, you know, put some knee work in. And, um, and then Lee basically was like, well, you know, I've really wanted to start my own business and I really like whiskey. So he decided to, to sort of come and help out at some of the tastings. And then he decided to, you know, borrow some money off his mom and get involved in, in the business. So we both put in um, around um, 10,000 pounds each, so like 100,000 RMB, um, all in. And I think I put up actually 190,000 RMB, and he put up 100. But we basically just said it was like around 100 each. So there are a few warning signs here. Lee was a knowing accomplice in the shady pyramid scheme, and he was a bit directionless. Dill, on the other hand, was driven, maybe to the point that he wasn't too careful about choosing a business partner or one of their major investors, like Lee's mom. We started our whiskey company and we were distributing whiskey um, into Southwest China, which at the time was, was quite ahead of its time, should we say. Um, and neither of us really knew what we were doing. Um, and, and, you know, I was subsidizing my income by doing psychics and stuff. And Lee was, um, like, telling everybody that he was a big boss. But really, you know, he was kind of just scraping by on very, very little money because, you know, we were paying ourselves peanuts so that we could keep growing our inventory and expanding the business and everything, right? Um, and then, yeah, so anyway, so after, you know, two years of that, uh, um, it, had, it had reached a point where I was seeing that the business was actually, like, paying for itself uh, and it was growing. 
pretty, it wasn't enough. Both of the partners were in their mid-twenties at the time, millennials, dreaming of making it big. For Lee, as a local, as a Chinese dude, his timeline probably looked a little different than Dill's. For him, things weren't moving fast enough. So anyway, eventually things started to get a bit sour. Um, you know, so he says, you know, look, I'm, I'm fed up. I, I kind of want, I want to get out of it. And I said, all right, well then, you know, I'll, I'll buy you out. But it's going to take me time because I, you know, all my money's tied up in the business. Right? Totally. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, no worries. And everything was fine. And then I noticed that he was acting a bit weird. And I was like, you know, I, I said, I remember saying to, to, to my then um, wife, I was like, you know, I think he's, I think he's getting ready to fuck me over. And she was like, no, you're just being paranoid. You know, you get like this. Uh, it's not, it's not him. You just need to, you know, have a bit of a, a bit of time. And I was like, no, no, it's, it's weird. Like we've had this discussion about me buying him out, and now he's acting really weird. And I've noticed that some of the clients of his, whenever I've dropped in to see his clients, they've been really like hostile, you know. And that's always a sign that things are not going well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, so so anyway, um, suddenly I like uh, I, I go to the office and I find all of the all of the booze is gone. Um, Your inventory, and, uh, inventory, the entire inventory of the company is gone. And there and there's and, no signs uh, of break in or anything like that, so you know. No sign to break in whatsoever. So I call B and he doesn't pick up. So then I call his girlfriend and he picks up. And and I'm like, um, yeah, so so what's what's going on? Do you know anything about the inventory? He's like, I've got it and I'm taking it because, you know, it's mine. And and because I, I want my money back and I want my money as the company. And I'm like, well, that's not how companies work, Lee. And, uh, and anyway, so I go over to his apartment and then, you know, he, he starts like breaking down and crying and saying that his mum's calling him a fucking failure and that she wants her money back and that she's saying that, you know, he's a fucking idiot and all this shit. And I'm like, look, dude, like, get me the, get me the inventory back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow the money. I'm gonna buy you out, right? And, uh, and I go, look, let's, you know, let's put the, Put the, let's put the booze back in the office and let's just get on with things. And he's like, yeah, okay. So, you know, we get everything back to the office uh, and basically, um, you know, we shut the door behind us, go to the lift, he gets on his motorbike, I go to my motorbike, and then I promptly go back to the office, I load up all the booze and move it to another location. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm not fucking doing this again. I'm not leaving myself open to this. Like, once somebody's done it once, they're going to do it again. Totally. So I move it to another location, and then um, and he then obviously discovers it the next day. And I say, well, look, fuck you. Like, you know, you, you stole from me. I'm still going to run the business, and I'm still going to buy you out as agreed. And I'm still getting the money together, but, like, I'm not the risk that you shut down the business again. I still want to grow this business and I still want to take it to the next level. And, uh, and he's like, all right, well, you know, I want to, I want to have the company chops. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just no, like I have the company seals 
Uh, I also have your booking ID, and I have all the other documents relating to the company, and I always have had them. And they're now not even kept at my apartment, so you can break into my house if you want, but you're not going to find anything. Company chops are the official seals for a business. Stamps used with red ink to notarize and confirm any official document. It's unclear what Lee would do with these chops, but Dill wouldn't have been able to do anything without them. Lee had come to a point where he didn't care what happened to the booze or the business or Dill. He just wanted his money back. Anyway, he then got a bit worried and obviously told his mom, and his mom gave him the genius idea of how So stop me if you've heard this one before. A Brit, a Chinese, and a tiger mom all walk into a police station. And his mom was there with him, and both of them just looking really serious, and like all the rest, and this policeman's there. And uh, and I call up my lawyer, um, and this this firm, Eagle Law, they're a bunch of cunts. And I call up, I'm like, look, I've been arrested. They're trying to get me to sign a confession. Um, what 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 are we gonna do? And they're like, yeah, sorry, as as you don't have us on retainer, um, you've been paying contract by contract. Um, you know, we can't uh, we can't help on this matter. And I was like, well, fuck you very much. <sighs> so uh, so then I just I just bullshitted my way out of it. Um, and I basically just said that I was gonna get the embassy involved. And I just and I just instead of talking to Lee and his terrible terrible mum i just talked to the cop and i was like and i and i lied of course i was like you know i was just talking to the embassy and uh and they said that they are they're going to talk with their department they're going to send somebody from the embassy down i'm like but you know the first thing that do is they also call the, the public security bureau and they ask why one of their citizens has been detained. And the Public Security Bureau is going to send someone down as well, and they're going to be talking to you, Mr. What was it? At which point the guy broke. And uh, so <laughs> he then basically backed down and told Lee and his mum to go shove it. And I then got on my motorbike and uh, got myself uh, got myself back to the apartment. And, uh, and then, yeah, properly freaked out. This is where me being a total idiot kicked in. I, I then borrowed the money to buy him out. And then uh, uh, we got the same lawyer who'd drawn up all of the contracts and all of the partnership documents between my, my company and his. And she came in and she got all the paperwork together and she's really sweet. But she was Lee's lawyer mm. that he'd found. And so when I handed over the money and everything was signed and then I went to do the full transfer of all of the um, the company and the ownership and all of the shares over to me and to basically dissolve the joint venture and turn it into just a wussy. Mm. Um, there was one document missing and without that document I couldn't complete the, the transaction so Lee's company would always be a shareholder and so he'd taken my money and I was left with a company that I couldn't use and so I ended up just having to uh, dissolve the whole thing and um, and then yeah, sell off what I could of the inventory to get enough money together to move to Shanghai and take a job with Barry Brothers and Rudd. So um, yeah, that was that was me getting <laughs> getting 
What? I get it to myself. What? So, 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 numbers. I know this is painful. How much money was lost? You know, like, Lee got his buyout, so he got that in cash. But, like, you lost how much? Uh, Around 400,000 RMB. That's over 60K U.S. Talking to Dill, you can tell it still hurts. Losing a friend and a small fortune, this falling out almost forced him out of China. As for Lee, we can't label him a scammer like his previous employer. What we can say is that no amount of startup capital, gained or lost, can equal passion and dedication. And that starting a business is not for the faint of heart. When she moved back to Lima, Peru, Sofia Bayon got close with a con artist. She didn't know it at the time, and it took years to understand the full scope of his misdeeds. Last episode, we were just beginning to find out that Renzo's business successes were just smoke and mirrors. He had become country manager in Peru for Thomas International, which is a human resource company. And then he was like opening the Mexico branch. First, he employed a close friend of his, and then he employed a close friend of mine. And it is this friend who kind of like dug into the company finances and became aware that not only had Mexico flopped, but apparently Thomas Peru was not doing well. He was not paying uh, salaries. Uh, He kept borrowing money from friends, saying that there was some sort of gap between getting the payment from clients and having to pay salaries, but that turned out to be bullshit. And between 2018 and 2019, he launches a new startup. Using the Thomas instrument, he creates Wico, and he had a business partner for that new business idea for Wico, and I guess he was also scammed for over $100,000 because this friend business partner had made a deposit to Renzo's personal account rather than a company account or with more paperwork per se, no? People trusted Renzo. They invested in Renzo. But remember, kids, friends don't ask friends to make risky business moves like transfer funds to a personal account unless they are A, bad at business, or B, bad at friendship. I called him that first week of January, you know, kind of like first like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. I had just been like traveling with my mom in Europe. And, and then I kind of asked like, I've been hearing some things like, are you treating your employees well? And then he started like, what are you saying? Who's told you? You've probably talked to Andrew. Andrew is like the close friend turned business partner for the most recent of the endeavors, no? And I'm, I have the papers to prove that I'm right. He is full of shit. Like, you have to believe me because I'm your friend. And I'm going to show you all the documents. And I was like, okay. And, and then he just hung up on me. Like, we're going to talk soon. And I never talked to him after that. He never called me again or provided any documents proving anything. So what I gathered from Ursula, for example, no, who I mentioned had been very close to him 
seven years back in 2012, he had reached out to her not only for money, but like for advice. And Ursula told me, no, like I had this conversation with him. I told him she should apologize and, and figure out how to pay her back. And instead he went to Mexico for New Year's again <laughs> without paying his employees a salary. So there's this pattern of being fake sorry and still doing what he wanted with other people's money. And it turns out that he went to Mexico with mutual friends, somebody we knew who were relatively forewarned of the situation. And he kind of scammed them on the trip, trying to get them to pay for things and claiming like, oh yeah, I booked the Airbnb, but for some reason it has to be on your credit card kind of thing. That's when I realized like he's going on the prowl to see who hasn't heard, no? Like, because he knew he had already burned ties in this circle of friends of like me and my high school friends. He even reached out to a friend in New York and Singapore <laughs> uh, asking for money. I knew it was going to be like a snowball, no? Like just trying to contact anybody who would listen and believe him and just claim that any other distancing from other friends was not a money issue. It was like a friendship issue. Also in 2019, 2020, 2020, I reached out to an ex-boyfriend who I knew like he had been, because Renzo had been my roommate at the time that I dated this guy, they had been friendly to each other. And I warned him like, this guy might reach out business idea. Be careful, it's gonna be a scam. And I cannot believe that two years later, my ex texted me like, oh my God, you were right. He just reached out to me. You know? And Damn. also again, through the grapevine, like I think like he immediately switched like friend groups. Like he started contacting like friends from somewhere else probably like burned those contacts and is now reaching out to people he thinks might not know of this. At this point, several people have wisened to Renzo's ways and they drive him out of Lima. Justice! Or did he just move to a different place and start scheming a new network, perhaps with a whole new identity? As other scammers have done, he still thrives because... They were never able to put like any legal denuncia. And when the, the business partner that got scammed in 2019 is a US citizen and he had, what I heard was that he was going to make it, I don't know what he was gonna do in the US so that they wouldn't let Renzo into the US. But apparently that didn't work because now Renzo is thriving in New York City. And, um, Somebody shared a PowerPoint or some sort of presentation where he was pitching a whole new concept of like gay friendly advertising. And I remember I made an Instagram story about like, I cannot believe that my ex friend who was a little bit homophobic, well closeted himself, um, is now trying to enrich himself with another scam in this relation and he that's when he like that's what I told you I was a little bit hesitant about sharing the story because I know like he could reach out 
like, I don't think he has how to reach me now, but at that moment, like he reached out and said like, you are defamating me. These are lies that you're saying. Uh, and I told him like, have you paid Ross, Gabby and Mila? Pay them and then we can talk, bye. <laughs> you know? And and that's why like, I was keen on like, yeah, fuck it, let's say it. Renzo de la Cruz is a scam artist, an international one, thriving in Lima, thriving in New York, and don't go into business with him wherever you are. Yeah, who knows where else? Yeah, Mexico. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's very simpatico. He'll mm-hmm. get you. He's convincing, you know, like as a friend, I was always convinced to do whatever he wanted. Whatever dinner plans he wanted is what we did to hang out, you know, and and I can see how that can turn into business pitches and investments. I'm probably like saying like, oh, you know, like just deposit it into my bank account. It's going to be easier <laughs> rather than paperwork companies. Not. And because he makes the friendship first, then he gets the money and you realize like he never cared about you. Sofia tried to get several of Renzo's known victims to share their experiences on the show. But in the end, everyone passed. I asked Sofia why she thought that was. I think there's an element of shame of having gotten scammed. No, like maybe you don't want to share that you gave. Um, And then I don't want to say despair, but more of this like, well, what's the point? Again, like you want to close that chapter. It's something that was not good for you. So I also understand why they don't want to dig and remember or relieve, even though there is the value of sharing the story. As a master in misdirection with a long list of wrongdoings, we're calling out Renzo as a bona fide scammer. He has no respect for the trust people give him which we've learned is more valuable than any investment. Last episode, we included excerpts from an article by Arman Anaturk. These events are what sparked me to write this article on Bob and all the Bobs around the world. Bob is an alias for an ex-business partner of Arman's, and Bob types are an archetype of the startup world. They're masterful crafters, intelligent individuals and expert charmers. They are con artists. Fun fact. I knew Bob, and I've personally met three victims of three different Bob scams. Uh, my name is Gary. One of them decided to talk. I was Bob's partner. Gary's name and voice have been changed. And we, we met traveling in a remote island somewhere in the Indian Ocean. I sent Gary Armand's article years ago. Gary's experiences mapped very cleanly to what Armand laid out. 11 signs that you're dealing with a Bob type. Bobs tend to approach people who are unhappy with what they're doing. I was looking for something else, something new to do. I didn't want to be in a corporate business anymore. Uh, I just quit my job, so I wanted to start something on my own. These people might be tired of their studies slash work slash life, looking for a change of pace, a fresh start, in need of work experience, or sometimes just a roof over their head. Just like be location independence, or at least to be my own boss and uh, just yeah, get out of the, of the system. Beware, bobs are toxic, manipulative and controlling. But they're also intelligent, 
charming and appear trustworthy. This is what makes Bob's all the more dangerous, they're not what you'd expect. He was yes, a nomad, a digital nomad, and uh, very outgoing, uh, very agreed with people, and uh, very interested on people as well. He makes you feel good about what you do and the way you live, basically. He's interested about yourself, and then uh, he is not very direct about it, about like starting a business with you. He kind of first works the person, and then like a few months later, he makes a proposition, a, a work proposition. I guess he does it with like 100 people, and then like two or three of them are good enough for him to continue on. Gary makes the cut. He and Bob start working on an app together. And at first, Gary considers himself lucky. So that's how we started. And at first, it sounds like a really, a really good deal because you feel like you don't have the experience that he's got and the resources and the capabilities. Sell big dreams. Bob's use promises and dreams as a way to lure people in. And he is uh, a talker. I mean, he talks about always about big things. He doesn't go small. So it's very, uh, very appealing, very uh, tempting. And it, it sounds unreal, but then uh, you have these uh, examples of what he did in the past, and he moves around and he travels a lot. He seems to have the money. Overly impressive LinkedIn website. Bobs tend to label themselves as serial entrepreneurs or CEOs. They may have a website or LinkedIn that compares to the likes of a young Elon Musk. He is well connected and I met friends of him that were in other locations that do know him. And I could prove firsthand, like face to face, some of the people. Not, those were not obviously the most successful ones that he uh, claims to know very well and they have uh, ties to. But uh, yeah, he's got like a lot of, uh, a lot of friends all over the world, it seems. I remember meeting one of them that was very direct with this and being like, you know, he's a really nice guy, but he doesn't do shit. I mean, he, he's literally, what he said was, he doesn't deliver. I think that was it, like he promises and he never delivers. So we learned that Bob is a charming dude selling big dreams to folks looking to be location independent. If you search for the acronym F-I-R-E, there are thousands of influencers doing just that. But Bob was supposed to do more. He just didn't deliver. And herein lies the crux of this foreigner story. The universe of digital nomads is filled with false icons. Influencers and entrepreneurs are not always one and the same. Just because one can speak authoritatively about the startup world does not prove that they've actually been successful in it. Missed slash delayed deadlines. Missing deadlines happen, but if the person you're working with refuses to provide updates and constantly delivers work late or not at all, you may have a bob on your hands. Deadlines, like, you can be wrong about something for a week once, but you are like 70 times for a month, uh, it was, it's too much. Surround themselves with vulnerable slash less experienced people. He made something he does is like getting, you know, like a, a partnership with someone that is not going to be able to quantify or to analyze your workload. So I could never be saying like, oh, 
that's so simple, right? That I can do in 12 hours or in seven hours. That's not, you know, working on it. I couldn't really tell because I have no idea about what's the back end on that side of the business. Constant excuses. Building from point one, every missed deadline comes with an excuse. Eventually they grow more obscure over time. Then it's not just promises and too big pro- promises that were to be honest as I know. Let's just keep it very simple and he's still like trying to make a dream. I just wanted to be finished and he always like, no, this is like, we need to implement this and like going crypto now and change this and do this other thing. And I was like, oh. So that's also something that, you know, like uh, you can tell me, oh, I'm having all these troubles. I had to redo this part and it takes so long and I'm working so much on it and I couldn't argue against and I, I was very straightforward about it. I have no idea about it. I had to, it's, it's, a, it's a trust relationship. Uh, when did I start losing trust? I think it was pretty early, but my trust was really high. <laughs> so it took a long time to run out of trust. In the social media construct of Nomadland, hard skills and hard work are hard to find as success is often measured in days not working. Focuses more time on their image than their work. Bobs rely on their reputation to spread and prefer to spend time networking rather than working. They feel that actual legwork is below them and they choose to outsource this part of the equation. I think that's what he wants with all this uh, network, building, relationship, whatever. It's to get to know a lot of people and just have them all thinking on like what could be interesting and he's using people to do everything for him basically. And I guess some people get far into it, some people stop earlier, some people laugh about it. That's so good. Because something he will do when we are uh, with other people will be to, hey, he's doing this idea. Like, what do you think? Like he's working on this. What you know? What you what do you think about it? He will never be like, hey, we are working on this, because I'm like, what do you say? I'm, I have this idea, I mean, or I have this project. It's like, we have this project. And he doesn't what? claim it. No, not at all. Nothing. He doesn't even mention that he's working on it with you. It's, it's very sketchy. And, you know, he could claim, oh, because I don't want them to be biased by knowing because they know me. Or I can't remember what it was. He'll have an explanation, and I'm, I don't buy it, of course. I could, I'm, I was trying to change the conversation, saying, I don't want you to do this, because I, I want you to own it as well. This is where the strategizing starts to look more like scheming. Sure, Bob may have been overcommitted and is being overly careful to maintain his image. But this duplicitous approach to his partnership with Gary is a hallmark move of a con artist. Their project comes to a standstill. I talked to all the people and he found out. So he knows. And their next conversation is a little awkward. It's amazing. This is like the friend that I follow on Instagram and when I stop following immediately knows because he has a tracker. Like, and he, I text someone on Facebook and he immediately knew. Like a few days after she said, hey, did you bad mouth about me? And say, like, wow. <laughs> but he knew and I, yeah, I told him, yeah, of course. I, I told my experience and my experience isn't positive. And I had another friend, he said that he was just back from this conference with a lot of other entrepreneurs and because they were doing a presentation about their project. And once uh, they finished, 
everyone's congratulating them on the presentation, but everyone at the same time, every single person was warning him about Bob. With all this coming to light, Bob's reputation preceded him. The jig was up. But in the end, was Gary scammed? I wasn't investing anything, so I couldn't see the way how I was being screwed over, basically, or I don't know that was the intention for the beginning, but I was like, this is silly if he's trying to screw me over because he's also putting time and effort on it. Maybe not a lot, but he is, right? Gary admits he should have had access to the back end, protected himself with more paperwork, and just not have relied on Bob so much. We see Bob as a kind of Wizard of Oz, playing on the dreams and fears of nomads, manipulating them to do his bidding. It's still interesting for me. I learned a lot about it. Uh, and it gave me also more self-confidence in doing something in the future, not with him and not related to the field. So we'll hold back from calling Bob a scammer, but we will leave you with Armand's parting words. I hope Bob reads this. Actually... I'm certain Bob is reading this right now. If there's anything I could say to you, it's stop being an asshole. Go and right the wrongs you've done. Pay back the people you owe. Learn from your mistakes. Share your story with us through our website and our socials. Check out more from Dil King and Sofia Bayon on the Foreign Or podcast and wherever you are, whatever you are. Get it in writing. Take the time, spend the money, Write up a contract and get them to sign on the line which is dotted.